Hello and welcome to the Creativity Snippets podcast with Tracy Stanley and myself, Barbara Wilson. We're co-authors of the book Creativity Cycling, Help Your Team Solve Complex Problems with Creative Tools. Tracy lives in Brisbane, Australia, and I live near Nice in the south of France. We started recording our monthly conversations at the beginning of 2020 to provide information and inspiration on applying creativity to all aspects of your life. So today we're discussing change, culture and innovation. Many organizations want to enhance their organizational culture so that creativity and innovation flourish. For some organizations, this is a huge change. For others, reinforcing behaviors or process systems or processes and systems are needed. We'll talk a bit today about how to change the culture of your organization. Since we were last chatting, Tracy's published a new book called Change Stories, Success and Failure in Changing Organizations. So I want to congratulate Tracy for doing that. Thanks, it is an, it's exciting, you know, it's a long process. So yes, it's very exciting to have my change stories out there in the world. Great. Um, and I understand your book describes a myriad of ways to facilitate changing an organization. So Tracy, would like to elaborate on that? Yes, it did. Uh, to, to write my book, I talked to um, 24 change experts, general managers, project managers, HR managers, about their experience with um, significant organizational change. And the sort of stories they shared with me were varied from classic mergers and acquisitions, introduction of new systems, um, change uh, in response to compliance. And there were also stories to do with trying to change the organization's culture, which is the topic for today. So what is culture change then and, and why is it hard? Well, as Barbara, as we've often discussed, culture change is, is, is complex and it's probably one of the most complex types of change programs as it involves changing people's attitudes and their behaviours. We understand the relationship between the two. Um, for To change, you know, think about your habits. It, it takes time to change your habit. It takes time to change your behaviour. And you need to take into consideration all these things, these habits, these behaviours. You need to think about the processes that support behaviours. And you need to think about, I guess, things which are called um, organisational artefacts, which influence on the culture and how people feel in the culture as well. And um, we'll probably chat a bit about how you define culture. Um, and it's interesting, um, Ed Shine, who's a former MIT professor and expert in the org change area, talks about culture in some ways as being a bit about the way things are done around here, though he says even this statement, which we try to use to make the definition accessible, is actually a little bit limited because it does have so many layers. It's got artefacts, it's got behaviours, and it's got assumptions. So um, we can see and we can feel organisational culture, you know, after a short period of time in an organisation because of the way leaders behave and employees behave, what's said and what's not said how things are communicated, importantly, how decisions are made. And again, even the physical layoff, you know, who gets the office, where it's located, um, and so forth. So let me talk a little bit about Shine um, and his definitions, because he's a bit of the guru, a bit of the father in the, um, in the organizational culture area. And he talks about culture as being built through shared learning and mutual experience. And he says that if you really want to change an organisational's culture, you need to sort of look at the organisation sy systemically 
and systematically work on changing organizational culture, you know, through small changes, um, small and effective changes in people's behavior. Um, he says you have to be really conscious about what is the behavior that you really want to change and focus your efforts on those specific behaviors and the problems that those behaviors are giving you. Um, you also need to spend time defining or describing what those behaviors look like when they're working in a way that's aligned with the values and the culture that you're trying to create in your organization. Barbara, what, what insights can you provide here? I know you've got lots of experience um, in culture change and I guess specifically from the culture change and the behavioral point of view. Yeah, thanks, Tracy. Um, I love Shine. Uh, he's, he's certainly one of the gurus I've followed over the years. Um, but yes, this whole focus on behavior is an interesting one. Um, I, I can remember, in fact, that there was almost a switch to the focus on, or more focus on, on behavior, particularly with behavioral coaching back in the, um, in the early 2000s, when um, we, we kind of had drifted a little bit, I think, to look at how to, you know, everybody was talking about value statements and how to change culture by looking at your values. And to some extent, that doesn't work because values are just too, um, they're not concrete enough. Mm. So focusing on the behaviors that underline those values was, was very much more valuable. And um, I've worked on many management development programs where, where and still um, work in in the coaching field where we set off by defining what are the actual values even the small value sorry what are the behaviors um, even the small behaviors that you need to change in people to make that shift um, because as you said earlier habits um, are are one of the things that we we develop very strongly on a day-to-day -day basis and habits develop into attitudes and and um, and our, our ritual sort of behaviors and if we can change those one little bit at a time then we can start to make some big change and and it can be as little as you know what's the I can remember working with a team was where it was what's the first thing a leader does when they enter into the team room um, in a morning uh, you know do they go around and greet people individually? Do they grunt? Uh, do they do they just ignore people? You know, sometimes it's those little tiny behaviors that can make a big difference in in organizations. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Tracy, then um, tell us about more about the culture change stories because your book is about change stories. Tell us more about that 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 people shared with you from your book. Okay, so I've got three different, quite different stories to do with cultural change. So the first one was in a mining company where they were trying to more deeply embed um, a safety culture. And they had a multi-pronged approach. Of course, they had training, they had measures, which they were tracked and reported on regularly. But some of the more significant things they did were some of those small steps, Barbara, that you were just talking about. For example, they made it mandatory that every single meeting started with a discussion about safety. And this was not only raising consciousness, but it was sending a message that was really, really important. And I knew that by raising awareness, it would change attitudes and begin to change behaviours. So um, that was a really interesting, a very concrete example of trying to change culture. Um, there was another organisation, again, quite engineering related, where they recognised that they were kind of monoculture in terms of the people they recruited and the thinking around how they 
thought about the business. And so they made a conscious effort to recruit a more diverse workforce. Uh, and that had a whole lot of problems because the people who were from the one culture thought that they would be disadvantaged, uh, but they knew of the value. And you know, there was a range of steps they took in terms of communication and processes and small steps, because of course it wasn't achieved in a short period of time. It took several years to be able to slowly change the diversity of the people who recruited and the diversity of the thinking that was um, shared um, in all organizational meetings and, and decision-making processes. And a third quite different um, set of examples were around trying to um, build an innovative culture in an organization. Uh, when you look at small behaviors and attitudes, you need to look at the things that work against the right sort of behaviors and attitudes. For example, Barbara and I have often talked about how you need to have a safe environment, a psychologically safe environment where people can take risks and make mistakes and how it can take a while to create that sort of culture where people feel that they can do things and can experiment and that failure isn't seen as um, terminal for your career as an example. So that those are a couple very different, very, very interesting um, examples of what organizations have done to try and change culture. And, you know, as we'll discuss later on, it, culture change, it, it takes longer than systems change, as mm. an example. I think that's an important lesson, actually, that the, the one, one big thing I'd pick up there is that change takes time. Um, yeah, <laughs> one of the worst situations that organizations get into is you know, working on 12 month cycles where I've seen so many times, um, you know, the, the sort of January, February statement that this year we're going to introduce this and it's going to be a big change. Um, and then next January, February, we've shifted to an entirely different direction. And we've only yeah. just really got into the pilot for the first change. Um, sadly, that's, uh, that's been quite common in organizations. Oh, that's been my experience too. And everyone sort of all smiles and nods and that they're all secretly cynical knowing, oh, this, this too shall pass and I need to make yeah. too many changes <laughs> for the next latest thing very soon. And then it's no wonder that people say, well, we've tried this before and it doesn't work. Exactly. So, so tell me then, um, so you, what are the sort of main lessons you would pull from these stories that you've, um, you've, you've heard from people? Okay, well, so building on and affirming, you know, the comment you've just made, Barbara, cultural change takes time. It's a long-term investment and you need to invest significantly in communication, in awareness raising and in skills development. Um, secondly, I think from the safety story particularly, I sort of, it was really clear about the importance of little small interventions, small changes in everyday work processes. So even just this very simple making sure every meeting started with a conversation around safety, what's the safety story we can share and learn from. That was a round change in the culture. So small steps done frequently. Um, and the third one's really about connecting to people's experiences and circumstances as you drive for change. So in the example about diversity, there were a lot of conversations addressing, and I can tell you this example, it was a lot of male engineers, their fear around what they would lose through the process. And talking about it, this isn't about you losing, this is about us all winning and all benefiting from the diversity that a more diverse workforce would bring. But yet talk, talk to their concerns was, um, was kind of one of the key lessons that, that sticks in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, tell me, Barbara, so those are some of my um, stories that we shared with you. 
What about your experience in terms of um, what you've observed about how you build, say, an innovative culture? Um, so, in terms of observing and what building a, an innovative culture. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I I guess the um the, the big things for me, and it's funny, I'm just writing a blog at the moment. I'm in the middle of a blog that I think we'll talk about in the next podcast. Um, was really about looking at um, first of all being clear what what an innovative culture looks like um, and kind of having some vision around what that will look like uh, and I think the the important thing there is also to look at well what are we doing now um, and to look at what are we doing that works towards an innovative culture and what are we doing that we need to change to make it more yeah. innovative? So those are the, the, you know, then then you work with what are those gaps? What are those differences? And what are the behaviors that we need to change to bridge those gaps? Um, yeah. What about, so you, you've, um, in terms of innovative culture, you've been looking at the attitudes and behaviors that support an innovative culture, I believe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um it is a sort of um, being open to new ideas, uh, recognizing yourself when you're feeling resistant to, to, to the new ideas. Um, it's about behaviors around knowledge management and recognizing when you failed and tracking it and recognizing it's a learning moment. So what have we learned from that? You know, what are the good things? What are the things that didn't work? Um, so rather than being afraid of that learning, embracing it, um, and just um, this whole this whole love of learning and openness and openness to new ideas. Um, there comes a time when we need to make decisions and maybe we, we don't have such a long discussion around doing things differently, but particularly when we're at perhaps the beginning of a process and we're really trying to change something big, spending enough time exploring the different options. Hmm. I think I like that sort of that whole thing about learning and knowledge and um, you know there, there was a big movement at one stage in I think it was the 1980s towards a learning culture and then we seem to move on from that and, it, and, it, and people talk about you know well we that was a, a an idea from the past I still think that is so valuable you know just yeah. to just to spend um, a little bit of time, maybe every every Friday afternoon, or you know, even once a month, on asking yourselves as a team or an organisation, what have we learned? You know, what what what, would, what did we do right this week? What did we do wrong? What could we do differently? You know, um, self reflection is so important, and and building that in <clears throat> to an organisation really really helps. So, uh, so tell me then, what 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 other um, <clears throat> you were you've been talking about um, a book that you've recently come across, yes. uh, Carolyn yes. Taylor. Tell me a little bit more about that because I think that you've been you've also been um, looking a little bit about how she would suggest you build a culture. Yeah, she. I mean, some of her, a lot of her findings is, is similar to um, to Shine's, but she uses different words and ways of explaining it. Um, and she also has a whole big thing about different archetypes and organisations and what you can learn from. And again, it's just ways of describing culture in a different sort of nearly a metaphorical way. But there was um, some of the things that she has reinforced that we've touched on already is about recognising that the culture journey is a long one. Um, and it you know, needs to be done in a thoughtful way and not in some sort of knee-jerk response way, um, which can happen, say, if there's been a mistake, you know, oh, well, this is how we're going to fix it and um, not recognising that 
behavior change takes a lot of effort for people for it to become a habit. Um, and um, just recognizing all the things that, that, um, that impact on culture, and there are so many, you know, the, the, the history of the organization, um, the values as seen through behaviors, and also like if, if you're in an organization that's had a very, very strong leader, the influence that their attitudes had on everyone else in the organization. I guess I immediately think of Steve Jobs at Apple and his approach to sort of really coming up with things that weren't anywhere in the world and um, being brave and um, putting those ideas out there. Um, Barbara, do you, what, do you want to sort of talk at all about leaders and how they influence culture? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I guess my take on leadership there is that I, I, I think... Um, I think leaders need to to be very very clear about the kind of culture that um, would work for their organization. However, I really think it's important that they engage their staff, um, their organizations in developing the culture. And particularly when you're looking at culture change, um, I, I think cultures often are accidental. I mean, I think that's one of the things we've probably needs saying um, yeah. and it, it, it's kind of implicit in what you've said Tracy that cultures develop from you know the, the values in an organization the behaviors but sometimes that's just an almost accidental process that nobody has thought this through nobody's designed this it, it's just that's the way it is um, and I think leaders have a large part to play in looking at that and, and deciding if it's not the way it is, sorry, if it's not the way they want it to be, but it's the way it is, then what do they do about that? And you can't just decide top down that you're going to change things. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's the big mistake leaders often make. You, well, let me, let me rephrase that. You can. You yeah. can get rid of most of your workforce if you really want to do it and, and employ new people with new, new values and new behaviors. However, probably the best way of doing it is to really engage people in, um, in, a, in the, the kind of change that they all could buy into and that would benefit the organization. Um, mm -hmm. I think if I can just say here, I mean, one of the examples I've, I've, um, I've uh, followed, I suppose, over the years, or, or I've taken on as a, as a model almost for the work I've done, is that of um, the work done by Marjorie Parker with, the, um, with an aluminium smelting company in Norway. Uh, it was a classic study, um, well, not study, it was a classic case. She, she facilitated um, the, a change program. Now, this was led by the top, but it engaged everybody in the process and it, it was using very creative techniques to do this. So although the leader created a vision of um, what they'd like to see the culture being, um, they then uh, sort of that trickled down the organization and every part of the organization was engaged in the process of saying, well, how do we see this work in our part of the organization? Um, so there was there was very much a full engagement in that process. So I suppose, yeah, leadership needs to be um, not just a, a top-down approach, but a very much top-down, bottom-up, I would say, um, with um, a very big program of engaging people. Barbara, I know you're writing another article on um, 
culture and creativity. Is it one where you're referring to the Marjorie Parker story? Or do you have a different idea? No, uh, that, for this? yeah, that, that it's very much about my, my next one's going, my next uh, blog, which hopes to come out this, uh, the end of this week will be why change is difficult and what to do about it. So it kind of builds on um, what we've been talking about today. So I also refer to um, behaviors and habits and and also looking at what the resistance to change is so mm -hmm. and i will look at the the process of the that marjorie parker undertook um which i replicated in in a change program in an organization uh, back in the 80s as well so um yeah i look forward to, to reading and to chatting with you about <laughs> it at some stage in the future Okay, well, thank, thank you, Tracy. So just, shall we just um, summarize where we are with, um, with your change stories? So the, the book, tell us a little bit more about the new book and how people can get hold of it. Thanks, Barbara. So the book is called Change Stories, Success and Failure in Changing Organizations. Uh, I wanted to learn more myself about change management um, in organizations. I'd been a change manager, but I recognized that having worked in a change role in one organization was just one frame of reference. So I went out to, to ask all these people to share with me their change stories so that I could learn. I asked them all the same sort of questions around what sort of projects they'd been involved in, what was key to success, what were some signs that the project was going astray <laughs> and how did you respond to that? So quite a bit of chat about politics and personalities and a bit what we discussed today about when leaders aren't really on board and behaving in the way you need to behave. Uh, I also talked about what were the characteristics of the people who were most effective at leading change in organisation and the most effective change teams. And teamwork is something Barbara and I are both quite passionate about as well. So, um, so that's the book. It's um, available on Amazon and Goodreads and Apple. Um, uh, or you can um, ask your library to get it in for you. <laughs> the libraries know how to get it through Ingram Sparks as well. Uh, it's available in paperback and in Kindle version. Thanks, Tracy, and good luck with that. Thank you. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening in today. Uh, I hope you found some of our, our, our snippets useful. Um, you, can, <laughs> you, can, you can find Tracy at uh, tjstanley.com and myself at barbara-wilson.com. And don't forget you can buy our book, Creativity Cycling, Help Your Team to Solve Complex Problems with Creative Tools. Um, again, on, on the usual channels that um, Tracy has talked about with her book. So thank you. And until next time, um, let's hope we get good results from the American election. And, <laughs> and um, all the best. See you next month. Bye, Barbara. Bye, okay. everybody. Okay, bye.